let me try that again. And let me over, over here too. All right. Uh, on the three, two, one, uh, we are speaking with a guitarist of Vinnie Moore of the band UFO, but also solo artist. You have uh, nine solo albums, the latest being Soul Shifter that came out in 2019. But, but the latest video, Same Sun Shines, which is almost a tongue twister for me, uh, came out uh, December 23rd. So you can go check that out on YouTube. Very much uh, recommended. And as we say here in Montreal, bonjour, Vinny. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Good, good. Uh, and, and I'll I'll just start off with a, with this quick shout out to my buddy, Steve Brown. I was telling Steve last night that I'm going to be interviewing you. And he said, oh, Vinny's the greatest guy. I was a fan back in the day. I was 17, 18. I sent him a letter saying, I love your playing. And Vinny responded by sending me a um, guitar lesson for free. So, huh? That's kind of cool. Yeah. I saw him last year. He came to a UFO show in New York City. And uh, he told me that story, too which is great to hear, man. I didn't remember it, but uh, back in those days, I used to actually handwrite letters and reply to people. And I think he might have asked about the Pepsi commercial specifically, so I sent him a little diagram of the fingerings for that. In fact, I, I want to actually, let me start with the Pepsi commercial, because, you know, as, as a working musician, yes, you go off in a band, and yes, you, you make records, but there's a whole bunch of stuff. You look at Brad Gillis doing stuff for Fox Sports, or, or Phil Lewis doing stuff back in the day for Fox Sports. How much of, of that is part of what you do, doing commercials for Pepsi, and are you scoring movies? Are you doing McDonald's commercials? What else are you doing other than UFO? not really anything like that okay no commercial no mcdonald's you know i had a quarter pounder once <laughs> uh yeah i mean that kind of thing it's just something that kind of comes up here and there for me but not something i do regularly although you know i'm open-minded to that but i've been so busy recording and touring with ufo and also recording and touring with my solo stuff that's kept me pretty busy over the years so is that something, though, that now that UFO said they're going to retire and, of course, we have the pandemic and less shows and less shows, is that something that you might consider to, 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 to supplement and, and just get some creative stuff going? Sure, man. Can you have any of those companies call me and tell them, <laughs> you know, give me a good recommendation, put a good word in and tell them I'm ready to I'm sell ready. some, some yeah. Quarter pounders and whatever. <laughs> get some get some Red Bull going. So let, let me quickly talk about Soul Shifter. Came out in October of 2019. Um, great record, by the way. In fact, I think we did an interview back last year for it as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk to me about the process of coming up with these songs and and saying something that's that's uniquely Vinny and not like, oh hey, I'm the guy from UFO and I'm you're going to get a, a UFO licks. You know, just being. A very Vinny album. Yeah, you know, I actually don't put a whole lot of thought into it. It's not like a conscious uh, effort. I, when I write, I just kind of pick up the guitar and it comes out. You know, it flows out. And uh, once I have an idea, I record it and I start to kind of build it from there. It's a feast or famine thing with me. I could sit around with a guitar trying to write 
for whatever, two weeks and not come up, up with anything. And then at other times I might be just sitting around playing and something pops out and it's like, wow, I'm inspired by that. I feel it. I like the melody or the rhythm, whatever. And uh, usually when I get that first initial idea, I start to get other related ideas. So it just kind of starts to pour in the floodgates open and you got to capitalize on it while it's there. You know, when the muse is ready, you take as it's much ready. as you can. Yeah, and uh, and then the floodgates close for a while. But I find that once I'm writing for a record and once I get in that zone, I stay in the zone, you know, for months at a time. So, do you do you go back to albums like Aerial Visions and to the core and say, oh, okay, I already said that. I've got to be different. Or is it really just whatever comes out, comes out, and if it happens to sound like something on Defying Gravity, eh, so be it. Yeah, that's called style, actually. You know, okay. If you're repeating yourself and if something sounds similar to something you've already done, I'm usually aware of it, and I try to uh, <clears throat> not go too sound too much like something else. But, uh, you know, if it sounds reminiscent of something else, that's like, oh, well, this is part of what I do. It's my style. And uh, you just got to go with it. You really got to go with it. Um, let, me, let me quickly talk to you about the album You Are Here, the first album that you appeared with UFO. That, you know, it comes out in 2004 and, and fans love it. I'm saying, had it come out in 1978, we might be talking about a masterpiece today. Talk to me about that album and and coming in there and saying, okay, I'm going to be Vinny. I'm not going to be Paul. I'm not going to be Michael. I'm going to come in here and do and, and be Vinny on this because you got a song like Baby Blue. Mm -hmm. it. Perfect. It's perfect. Um, talk to me about that challenge of joining that band and going, all right, I'm stepping into a guitar band and I got to be the new guy. Right. You know, actually, I didn't give it too much thought. I thought, you know, they were an inspiration on me when I was younger. And so I'm really familiar with the music. And stylistically, I think I fit in really well. It's not going to take much of an effort to make my force myself to fit in. It was really organic and natural. And I just didn't think too much about it. You know, I love what Phil did with Baby Blue, by the way, with the vocals, the lyrics. Tremendous job. It's one of my favorite songs that we've ever done. And, uh, you know, we I got I heard I got the gig that Phil wanted me to do it. And we began talking by phone and I started sending him ideas. You know, we kind of started just having a dialogue that way. And then we got together in Germany outside of Hanover in this little town called Sella. And we had some rehearsals, started sorting out ideas and we started recording. And that's how that record happened. There was no you get the gig. Let's go on tour. It's like. Let's work together and, and create a new record and then do some tours. And, you know, honestly, I thought it might last three to five years. And here we are almost 20 years later and I'm, I'm still doing it, which is pretty amazing, to be honest with you. How important was it for you that the band decided to make new music? Because they could have easily just brought you in and gone and played whatever, whack in or whatever, and done all the festivals and, and done, you know, lights out and rock bottom but they said, oh, no, no, we got a new guy. We're going to go make new music with him. How important was that for you? It was very important, actually. And that's what Phil wanted to do. He was looking for someone to be a, a writing partner with, not only a, a guitarist. And he needed a writer. And uh, that's part of the reason I think he chose me. And uh, it was fortunate for me that he wanted that and wanted to continue 
you know, doing the band and writing and doing new records. Yeah, he really did. Uh, stuff, but I would have felt a little bit more like I'm in a cover band, you well, know, doing it. Yeah, so so just quick, let me let me take up on that. Then uh, you are, of course, uh, bound to play these classic songs. You're bound to play the songs the fans want to hear. H- how much of your own personality can you inject into this and not make it feel like you're just going through the motions? And you go, no, 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 it's UFO with Vinny. I'm not just cut and paste here. I pretty much approach like a live UFO gig like I do a solo gig. You know, as far as the way I approach and play the songs. There are certain things in the songs that are part of the song and they have to be there. You have to play them. They're signature things. But then there are other parts that are more improvised, you know, and I'll do them differently depending on how I feel from night to night. I think that's important for a musician. You know, I'd hate to go out and just have to play note for note, you know, read the notes on the page, play it exactly the same every night. I mean, there's no... I think it's more expressive to improvise, take in what's going on around you and, you know, in that moment, create whatever pops into your head. And so I improvise quite a bit, but I um, definitely play the parts that need to be played. Right. You, you, you hit the cues or the signposts, as uh, as Rob likes to call them. Um, you know, recently the band re-released this this beauty here, the uh, Strangers in the Night deluxe box set, which disappeared from the screen there. But... One of the greatest live albums that the band has made is Showtime. This the show from uh, Germany in 2005. Um, that was one of the first UFO albums I ended up getting as I started getting back into the band. And you with Jason Bonham on that, it it's a fucking masterpiece. Um, oh, thank you. Thanks, it is so good. And... and you know, you hear the rock bottoms from the day with Michael Schenker and, and, and as you do, as you say, they improvise and they go off and they do stuff. But you get to this version of rock bottom with you and Jason and, and of course, the other guys. Let's not <laughs> let's not discount the other guy. But it is like the version. Talk to me about about how you approach that and just that album, because that that's one of the greatest live albums ever made. And I mean that wow. sincerely. I love it. Man. During the very first tour, Jason was in the band, and uh, I don't know who came up with the idea of doing a DVD. Maybe it was our manager. I actually thought we would do more DVDs over, you know, live recordings uh, from over the years, but for some reason we haven't. Amazingly, I'd love to do another one, at least one more. And I just remember, yeah, it was right after I joined the band, and you, we did two shows at this place in Germany, Wilhelm Schaffen. And it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, it's weird. I haven't gone back and really watched it, but I oh, know Oh, you that. should. You should. It's so fucking good. Especially the, ver- like, Baby Blue, Mr. Freeze, all those new songs brought into it. Stunning. Uh-huh. Stunning. I have trouble listening to my own stuff. I could never do it. It's kind of torture for me because I can't <laughs> get to a place where I'm neutral. You know, I'm judgmental and I'm, I start listening critically thinking, oh, I could have done that differently or, or whatever. You know, it's yeah, the, the yeah. curse of being an artist. And so I, I avoid it. myself. I get it. I heard that uh, Frank Sinatra used to put on his music when he was intimate with a woman. And I thought, wow, that's pretty ballsy. You know, I could never do that. <laughs> uh, so no, no, no soul shifter in the bedroom. But no, it's kind of funny because I, I have the same thing with listening back to interviews. I, I'll listen back to them as I you know, have to edit them up. And I'm just going, 
oh, I should have asked this better. Oh, I should have said less. I should have should have been less wordy. And it's just drives you crazy. Right. It happens to me in interviews, too. And I think of things after the fact and go, damn, why didn't I think of yep. that in the moment? But, you know, yep. it's just okay. all a part of it, man. But all right, let me let me get to this. You you uh, and, and then I'll move on to some other stuff. But you, you've got the you know, you've got, of course, rock bottom and the you listen to the different live versions that are available, whether it's on YouTube or Showtime or whatever. And whether it's you, Michael or anybody else, there's always an improvisation in that song. It's never played the same twice. Um, right. Talk to me about that, because you're in this position where, you know, the fans have loved it for whatever, 30 or 40 years before you show up in the band. How, how free are you to just go off and jam it out? And, and, and how do you decide? Is it, is it like you say, you just sort of feed off the uh, the audience energy? Feed off the audience, the band. It has to do with how you're feeling that night. You know, I'll start the solo with the signature lick that's on the original record, and I'll just kind of go off for a little bit. But then I come back and touch on things like the harmonies. You know, that has to be there. Do 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 do, which always reminded me of the Door song, uh, "Riders on the Storm." Riders on the Storm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, I just try to keep the signature parts and improvise. You know where those spaces are too so it's kind of a balance well it's a great balance uh let's get to uh, to 2020 moving on to 2021 the band was doing uh, essentially what is a farewell tour it doesn't happen because of well we know uh where do you see the band going in 2021 uh, i know there are some shows on the books are those sort of the shows on the books and that's it or now with everybody rested do we start maybe thinking 2022 do we start thinking maybe live dvd what are we thinking i I don't really know i mean who can predict the future but i've always suspected 2022 even before the pandemic luckily we got a u.s tour in february which ended on a rock cruise which was a lot of fun we had a whole year of touring, like at least four or five different legs, you know, South America, European festivals, European clubs. And basically everything's kind of been pushed back a year later in general. And, you know, at this point, I just hope it happens. Who knows what's going on? Hopefully people start taking this vaccine and we're rock ready again. Yeah. As far as the longevity of the band, I mean, I think, the one good thing about being stuck and forced to take this year off is that it's really made people, all of us and Phil included, want to get back out there. And, you know, everyone misses it. And I know I get messages from Phil almost every day. And a lot of times, you know, he's mentioning that he, ah, where would we be right now? We'd be at the hotel getting a meal before the gig. I, I can't wait, you know, so I'm thinking there's going to be, some more shows but when i don't know Man, well, but it, it's missing it has made it lit a fire in everyone you know i think everyone's realized that hey we love doing this and uh we want to get back out there and do our thing well you know and it's funny because you look at the scorpions or kiss or ozzy who actually had farewell tours and or thunder from from the uk and they retire and then they come back and people go oh fake farewell they go no you know what we were serious, but we missed it and we had to come back out there. So, Exactly. You know, letting go of something like this is really hard when it's such a good thing. I mean, look at the guys for Deep Purple. They could have retired years ago. The fact that Ian Gillen and um, 
Ian Pace and Roger Glover, Steve Moore still out there doing it. It just shows you that they love it. And if they walk away from it, I guarantee you they're going to go, hmm, maybe just one more small tour because I need to do this to be who I am as a human being. It's like a part of you that's gone if you're not doing it. Yeah. Or, or they, they get to that point where they go, OK, we'll just do festivals. OK, we'll just do New Year's Eve. OK, we'll just, you know, hey, good. We're just going to do weddings and <laughs> birthdays. Which is great for fans. Now, let's say 2021 comes or 2022 comes and goes. And it's over and Phil says, no, no, I'm serious. I'm done. I'm not, you know, I'm not like Klaus and Ozzy and Paul. I'm, I'm done, done. What happens to Vinny? Do you, do you go back to just doing solo records and, and, and that's that? Or do you go try to find, hey, does Metallica need a guitarist? How do you sort of see yourself going? <laughs> yeah, please. If Kirk leaves. Uh, just talking to Kirk the other day, texting. And I, I didn't ask him if he you know, was leaving the band. <laughs> Ah, uh, let's see. That's the next you know, text. I continue doing what I love doing, and I don't know exactly how that would manifest, but solo stuff always, and I would hope to form a new band or join another band. I have lots of material laying around, vocal material that isn't quite UFO, wouldn't fit in with UFO, So, but I want to go and do that stuff uh, eventually. You know, I just it's just a matter of finding a vocalist and a band. So that's something I'm always thinking about, too. Or, or just call, been, call off Steve Brown. Yeah. Call Steve and Steve. form a band with him. There you go. Yeah. No, can he sing? Can he sing? Well, he can, actually. Uh, but but uh, talking about, uh, about, you know, it's not necessarily UFO. How do you sort of decide that? I mean, yes, there's the sound. And yes, maybe there's a lyrical content. But also... A band like UFO, oh, 50 years into the career now, I guess, of 30, 50. Yeah. At some point, they, they can do whatever the, they want. They don't have to. There's no more rules when you've done it for 50 years. So how do you decide? Yeah, I mean, I think that Phil's gotten to the point where he's thinking, I don't know if I want to do another record. I just want to tour. And uh, yeah, I can see his point totally. I'd like to do one more record at some point. We'll see. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, well, uh, here's why I would like to see you do one more record. Not only because I like new UFO, uh, I, I just don't want you to end on a on a tribute, not a tribute record, but a you know a covers album. That's that, that yeah, that's, that's, that's the wrong. Thought of that also, and yeah. I agree. It's the, it's the wrong exclamation point on a career, and I, I mean that respectfully. Right. You, know, mm -hmm. you know, we need to put the sword through the heart. Right. it strongly. Yeah, send this uh, send this interview over to uh, over <laughs> over to Phil and say, you see, I'm not the only one who thinks this. Um, Monkey Puzzle, uh, the album that came out in in 2016, uh, 2006, not 16, um, didn't get a lot of love. I think it's brilliant. Uh, talk to me about that one, and and what were some of the challenges of making music in the early 2000s, being a band with such a pedigree, but also wanting to stay fresh. I don't know. You just continue on your path and, you know, following your passion and kind of just things happen. You know, it's a little bit more complicated in a band situation. When I'm doing a solo thing, it all revolves around me and how I'm feeling. But when you take, you know, a band, there's there's more elements that have to come together. And it just kind of sort of develops and works its way out that way. You know, there's it's a little bit more unpredictable and you just kind of go with the flow and do it are you are you proud of monkey puzzle 
Because I've seen fans debate these albums, this and Visitor and Seven Deadly Sins. They debate them and debate them and debate them. I think all three have great songs on them. So I don't pay much attention to be like I said, I don't listen to my work. Maybe someday I'll actually get to a place where I can go back and revisit things. But I don't know. It just makes me cringe, cringe. and uncomfortable. But, you know, I think all album, all those albums were good and had something different to say. Yeah, I do. I yeah, do. You let fans judge and, you know, whatever they like, they like. So. Well, fa- fans can be a little too, uh, too a little too judgy. Uh, hey, yeah, stupid. Line when you're sitting in front of a keypad, you know, not looking at someone face to face. I think a lot of mean comes out sometimes in people. And But luckily, I'm seeing more of the positive stuff. But. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I've said this publicly millions of times. I I have this my gigantic UFO Scorpions Michael Shanker playlist, which is currently at 1,830 songs, and I've mixed oh. them all in. And so I never know really what album a song is from. They just sort of blend in, and mm-hmm. they work. They You yeah. know, sometimes it's not the song. Sometimes it's just the context. And Mitch Radio. Mitch Radio, I know. I've actually been listening to it every day since June. <laughs> I'm still not done. Oh, I'll get done soon. Um, that's a lot of German. That's a, well. Hey, got, got my scorpions on right here. Love my score. I love my scorpions. I love my shanker. I love. Uh, I love this all. Um, of course. Uh, hey, stupid. Uh, you got to play with with Alice Cooper on two tracks. More importantly, you got to play with uh, Brian Adams, Mickey Curry, and Hugh McDonald of Bon Jovi. Two two of the greatest guys out there. Um, Talk to me about that. Were you not considered for the gig for a while? Um, when he first started doing that record, he was just going to have a bunch of guest guitarists. And so he's got Steve Vai slash Joe Satriani and some others on the record. And so it just initially started out as me playing on two songs. And uh, so that's all it was. I went up to Bearsville, New York, to the studio they were recording at, which is like four hours away from me. So I drove up. One evening, woke up the next morning, spent a day in the studio, went out to dinner with Alice and the producer, and then drove home, you know, and I played the rhythms for, uh, what was it? Oh, God, Dirty Dreams and uh, something else. I can't even remember. Solos, rhythms, and that was just that, you know, and I guess they kind of liked what I did and maybe liked me as a person because we got to meet and hang out. And uh, soon after that, I got a call saying, you know, would you be interested in doing joining the band and going on tour? Wow. At first, I was actually reluctant because I was in the had just finished uh, mixing the Meltdown record and that was going to be coming out. And it's like, oh, I suppose to go out and tour the solo gigs with meltdown everything was looking really really good and now like this is a change of plans i don't know i'm not good with change sometimes but eventually i came around and thought this is going to be really cool to join alice's band so yeah did some i think three months in america yeah and, and, and in canada too yeah and i'm trying to think i saw that tour so i must have i must have seen you i would imagine if, if you came to in montreal yeah, it was either the was it the Forum or was it the Metropolis? I can't remember, but I I remember I, I must have been the, but I must have seen it. Um, h- how does how does those experiences further what you're doing? Because obviously, when you're doing Meltdown and when you're doing Soul Shifter, and you, 
you're not playing your music, but at some point it's got to affect your music, right? I mean, playing those Cooper licks, it's got to get into your head. I think everything you hear eventually gets into your head. You know, I think it's just inevitable. I mean, you can say, oh, I'm going to close myself off and just never listen to anything. But who wants to do that? I love music. I love being inspired by different things and different styles of music. So, yeah, I mean, it, everything's going to inspire you and influence you at least a little bit. Just a little bit. And uh, I'll finish on, on these last couple of questions. Uh, you've obviously had to cover some of the Schenker stuff. Are, are those solos and those riffs that he plays easy to copy and mimic? Or was he really doing something unique and special? He definitely was doing something special. I think his sense of melody and his feel and his vibrato were definitely great. And uh, again, like I said earlier, the parts of the song, like in Love to Love, the little solo in the middle, it's a beautiful melody. You can't not do that. It's part of the song and you have to do it. But at the end, he's just improvising. And you hear it in the live stuff, too, that he's improvising different things every night. So I'll do that. But yeah, a great player influenced me when, you know, I was learning to play guitar and millions of others. And uh, just so surreal for me to be in that role playing with UFO. You know, this yeah. is the band I used to play records in my bedroom and jam with them when I was a teenager. Oh. I never thought I would someday be in the band. Now, for for some reason, your your audio has has lessened. I don't know what happened. Oh, sorry. Is it lower volume? Yeah. Maybe I should talk louder. Well, there we go. No, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Let's let's do this instead. We we've done twenty six minutes, uh, um, as we say here in Montreal. Merci, Vinny. An absolute pleasure. And all my other questions we'll do in a part two at some point. And uh, oh, folks, ah, yeah. uh, oh, there you're you're coming back. Uh, Soul Shifter, folks, is available now. And head over to wonderful uh, YouTube to watch the new video, which is uh, I'm trying to get the name back here. It's uh, I was just watching yes, it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, same sun shines. There you go. Same same sun shines, uh, which I watched before and it was great. Uh, merci, Monsieur. Thank you, sir. Always a Thanks, pleasure. Sir. See you. Good talking to you. And I'll see you soon. Yeah. Happy 2021. Same to you. Let's get it off to a better start here, man. <laughs> Can't do much worse. <laughs> uh, I hear you. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye bye now. Sure.